Genesis 22, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, who was a young adult, may even been 30, the age that Jesus was crucified. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Then Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, son. He said, Look, the, the, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, prophetically, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Not long later, as Abraham was about to plunge the knife into the chest of Isaac, his son, the words of God came to Abraham and stopped him doing so. And this is what the Lord said in in verse 12. Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Isn't that poignant, those of us who know the scriptures? You haven't withheld your son, your only son, from me. For what does the Father from heaven say over Jesus, both at his baptism and at his transfiguration? This is my beloved son. Jesus, the Son of God, became the Lamb of God. That little image at the top is the image of the Moravian church. It says around the rim of the the, the, the picture of the Lamb, our Lamb has conquered, let us follow him. Jesus became the Lamb of God. This was pictured further in the Passover Lamb of Exodus. In their deliverance from Egypt on the night when the firstborn of every household in Egypt was to die, The Israelites were commanded to kill a lamb, take some of its blood and mark the doorposts of the dwelling, and then roast and eat the lamb with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. The death of the Passover lamb substituted for the death of the firstborn. Interestingly, Jesus is the firstborn who was sacrificed for us. Levitical sacrifices, of course, then followed in the rest of the Old Testament. Uh, Lambs and other animals were sacrificed in various offerings. And many of those lambs uh, for, the temp- for the sacrifices and offerings in the, in the temple in Jerusalem were raised on the hills of Bethlehem, which is where Jesus was born. It's only two hours' walk away from the temple in Jerusalem, Bethlehem. So put it, put it another way. Jesus was born at Bethlehem, the source of the sacrificial lambs, so because he would one day be the sacrificial lamb. Of God, and by the way, those lambs were not little little bundles of, of, of fluff when they were sacrificed. They were more than a year old and well into uh, uh, puberty, uh, teenage years, equivalent to ours. Then, in the prophets, of course, you got Isaiah saying that he would be led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he would not open his mouth. But that's a reference to him being like a lamb rather than being the lamb. But then comes John the Baptist. Because although there are foreshadows of Jesus being the Lamb of God in the Old Testament, the apostles in their letters, we haven't time to go there, can clearly compare the sacrifice or death or blood, and those are interchangeable expressions referring to the death of Jesus, to the Levitical sacrifices. It's John the Baptist who, when Jesus approached him, said this, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because John, the disciple, 
was first of all a disciple of John the Baptist. It seems that John the disciple carried those words with him, ringing on through his, his later years. Because when we get to the book of Revelation, which of course John wrote as well as the gospel, we find there the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb. That's the theme of Revelation. Worthy is the Lamb. Jesus is given the name the Lamb or the Lamb of God more than he's given any other name. In fact, it appears more than 20 times prophetically in the book of Revelation. That's about twice the, time, the number of times that the name Jesus or Je- Lord Jesus or Jesus Christ is written in Revelation. Jesus is used at the beginning and end of the book, mostly. And in the prophetic section of the book, it's the Lamb. The Lamb. The Lamb. But we mustn't think of this Lamb of God as being a little fluffy thing in the, you know, the spring, frolicking in the English pastures. The Lamb of God is quite different from that image. <clears throat> now, I haven't got time to go through 20 or more references in Revelation, so I have to give you headlines. The theme starts in Revelation 1.5 with this. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Lamb who was slain for us. Jesus who was slain for us. And then in Revelation 5, you've got this, that uh, a scroll is brought out in heaven. It's a scroll that's sealed with seven seals, and as each of those seven seals opens another section, which are full of judgments and declarations of, 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 of wrath and judgment. And no one is worthy to open the seals of this scroll until this announcement is made. Revelation 5, Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. The Lion of Judah is not just the son of David, he's the root of David, he's David's, you know, uh, the one who produced David, the one who made David happen. So John turns, he's, get this, what's he looking for? The Lion. What does he see? A Lamb. I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, in the midst of the elders, stood a Lamb as though it had been slain. Jesus is pictured as a lamb who has the appearance of having been killed, yet he now lives. He's returned from being sacrificed. Returned to life. The Lord Jesus already declared himself to John at the beginning of Revelation in this way. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. The lamb is acclaimed as worthy. And in Revelation 5, he's worshipped as God, equal along with God, the Father. There are two phrases I'm going to come back to a bit at the end. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then it says it one verse later, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne, which is God, and to the Lamb, equally, forever and ever. In Revelation 6, you've got the Lamb ruling and judging, opening the seals and releasing the judgment of God upon that generation. He rules and he judges. And in fact, the judgments are called in Revelation 6 the wrath of the Lamb. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Any idea of this little bundle of fluff is gone from our heads now? This Lamb is pouring out his wrath. 
on his enemies. Then in Revelation 7, you've got some pictures of the Lamb and his people. And in fact, there's a number of such pictures. We kind of tend to miss them. We think that Revelation is all about wars and, 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 and tribulations and, and, and beasts and dragons. And it's about the Lamb and his people too. We just kind of tend to miss those things. We have in Revelation 7 a wonderful tender portrait of the Lamb and his people. He shepherds them. The Lamb has become the shepherd now. He shepherds them leads them through great troubles and will finally wipe away all their tears. The Lamb is again worshipped as God. Revelation 7.10 Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In Revelation 12, we've got the Lamb and he's overcoming saints. And it says that they, his followers, his people, they overcame him, which is the great dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even to death. The Lamb who has overcome for them is with them to help them overcome. Then in 13, Revelation 13, the Lamb and his followers are contrasted with the people of the world. As the people of the world are signing up to to worship the, the beast and to do what he tells them, Those whose names have been written in the book of life of the Lamb don't do that. They're faithful to him. And it says here that that he's the Lamb who is slain from the foundation of the world. What a wonderful reminder that is. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was appointed as the Lamb who would come and rescue us from our sin. Before the foundation of the world... Our names, the names of every redeemed person, every believing person that ever will be, were written in his book of life, his register. You don't get written in when you believe. You believe because you've been written in. Now, I haven't got time to explore these things, but Lamb 14 and 15, some more pictures of the Lamb and his people. It says in 14 verse 4, they are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in Revelation 17, the Lamb overcomes those who make war with him. They, these will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. What else is it going to do? He's the victor. He can't be defeated. He's God. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Notice this though. Again, I haven't got time to go through all the scriptures. But when Jesus, the Lamb of God, sets out against his enemies, it is not to avenge his own suffering and death, for that was mediatorial, that was, that was atonement making. His judgment upon his enemies is because of the way they have treated his people, his followers. Their suffering and martyrdom at their hands. So, the Lord sending destruction upon Jerusalem and the temple, culminating in MD 70, was not the avenging of his blood, it was the avenging of the blood of the prophets and apostles there. And those are the words of Jesus himself in Matthew and in Luke. When he returns at the end of the world, the world will be held to account for how they have treated the followers of the Lamb and the suffering that they have caused will be avenged. In Revelation 19, you've got the Lamb's wedding celebration. Let us rejoice because the marriage of the Lamb has come. And then in Revelation 21, you've got this incredible picture here of uh, 
Let me just go back a moment and mention this again. In Revelation 5, Jesus was announced as the lion, but appears as the lamb. At the end of Revelation, his bride is announced, but when John looks, he sees a city. Because the bride of Christ, the city of God, is the new community of all the saints, the new Jerusalem. These are prophetic images. The reality of both the lion and the lamb is that they are images of Jesus. Prophetic images that tell us more about Jesus. The reality of both the bride and the city images is the completed church, the community of Jesus Christ. And then we've got these pictures that the, the city doesn't need a temple because the lamb is the temple. It doesn't need the sun or moon or lights because the lamb is the light. And in Revelation 22, you have the lamb's eternal home with his people. Let me just read a few mo- moments of that from you. Uh, verse 3, 22, 3. And there will be no more court curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb. Notice that again. Of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them life, and they shall reign forever. And ever. That's a contrast with Revelation 20, where they reign for a thousand years, for a long period of time. This is not a long period of time, it's eternity. The throne of God is the throne of the Lamb. We worship Jesus, the Lamb of God, as God, together with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to head this up now. Some headlines. Our Lamb has died for us, but lives again. And he's very active. He's ruling, he's reigning, he's shepherding. He's working his purpose out until the end of the age. He rules and shepherds us through this life. He overcame, does overcome, and will overcome, and we endure all things as overcoming through him. And he marks how we are treated in this world, and one day will avenge every wrong against his people. And he will bring us home. So here's the Three questions for you, those who are here, those who are listening. Is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know that you belong to him, not just a group of his people? You don't just belong to some church or community, but you belong to him. There's really no such thing as second-hand faith. You must trust him for yourself. And parents, can I remind you again that we need to pray that our children come to savingly believe and trust in Jesus. Secondly, do you worship and honor him? Let me go back to that scripture again in Revelation 5. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Good song, isn't it? You can do a search for worthy is the Lamb, song after song after song, hymn after hymn. But what about actually doing it? You see, all these things belong to him. Power, authority, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, blessing. They belong to him. They flow from him to us as we have need of them. Income. Wisdom, we need wisdom. Why? Goodness. Strength, blessing. But then they must return from us to him. He is worthy to receive. Who's going to receive it from? All all them, of them. No, me. He's going to receive them from us, from me. Do we give him the authority over us? Honor him by the returning of the first fruits, tithe of our income to him, and then practicing both generosity and stewardship with the rest of the finances we have? 
And do we depend upon him in life, really, for wisdom and strength rather than on our own? The Lamb is worthy to receive these things from us, not just by acclamation and even adoration, but by a fixed attitude of heart and actions that follow. It all belongs to him in the first place. One of my favorite scriptures from Romans. For from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. We return to him all that is his and all that he's given us from his great store. Power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. And lastly, do you follow him? A lamb has conquered. Let us follow him. The lamb is worthy to be followed, obeyed, served, even if it would cost a life. But for the moment, we are to be living sacrifices. We live as if we were dead. We live as dead to this world, dead to the fading fashions of our age, living for he who is eternal and one day will bring us with him to our eternal home. We live for our Lamb, Christ Jesus. Let's pray.